Hi, everybody. This is Brian Reisman, host of SciJams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Be sure to keep up with the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, or through my Brian Reisman account on Twitter. This is the second anniversary episode of SciJams, and I have plenty of exciting interviews coming up. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Adrian Smith, and you listen to SciJams with Brian Reisman. know Rick Allen as the drummer for the iconic group Def Leppard. The British rockers have maintained a loyal following over four decades and continue to play to large audiences. Hits like Photograph, Rocket, and Hysteria have stood the test of time, and their self-titled 2015 album also had some solid tunes on it, including Dangerous and Invincible. Like other Side Jam's guests, Rick has other interests beyond music, particularly painting, photography, and philanthropy. For this special second anniversary episode of Side Jams, we spoke about all of those things. Rick recalled how his childhood interest in painting was rekindled when his youngest daughter developed an interest in the art form. He also explained how expressing himself through photography came during a crucial turning point in his life. And we delved into how proceeds from sales of his work in both mediums benefit the nonprofit Raven Drum Foundation, which he founded with his wife Lauren in 2001. Initiatives within that organization help to empower people in crisis through healing arts programs, drumming events, and collaborative partnerships. They also assist those suffering from PTSD. Rick will be appearing at Wentworth Gallery locations in Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood, and Boca Raton, Florida, respectively, on May 20th, 21st, and 22nd, 2021. The drummer will be offering many of his paintings for sale, and a portion of each sale will benefit the Raven Drum Foundation's Project Resiliency, which for 12 years has reached out to aid military veterans. Check out WentworthGallery.com for details and directions to each event, and ProjectResiliency.org to learn more about that program's efforts. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat. I appreciate it. Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank you. Uh, Whereabouts, uh, where are you? I'm in Long Island. Oh, wow. Uh, South Shore. Near, I'm near Jones Beach, so actually you guys have played there many times. My wife, actually, she was born in, uh, she was born at Flushing Hospital. So she's, uh, she's a Queens girl. And she said they, they used to go out to Jones Beach all the time as kids. Yeah. But what a, what a great venue that is. I always love playing that venue. It's just, um, it, it feels like a hometown show these days. You know, every time we go back there, it's, yeah. uh, you know, pe- people love this band. Because actually listening, just listening to the last Def Leppard studio album from 2015. Of course, Invincible is the one you co-wrote. And I'm like, yeah, this is a very Rick Allen sentiment. Given everything that's going on in your life and the painting and all your philanthropy work, I'm like, yep, this like totally fits. Yes. I love hearing new music by older bands. You know, I'm a Gen Xer and I get into this argument. Gen Xers are actually very good about keeping up with a lot of new music, but sometimes they don't listen to the newer music by their favorite artists that they grew up with. No, I know. I know. It's, it's like. And there's good stuff out there. Yeah, uh, for sure. But we, we never wanted to rely on, on just, you know, the old classics. You know, if, 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 you're, if you're not pushing out, if you're not coming up with new, new material, then we, we just feel as though you're not, you're not as relevant, you know? Yeah. So there's always new ideas in the pipeline. And um, hopefully in the not too distant future, you know, you'll get to hear some of that stuff. I like the fact, too, that you've you've gone off into painting, which I mean, it was actually the first I remember you had a show in Vegas almost 10 years ago. I think this is 2013 now. And this is probably back in the residency days. Right. You had done these paintings that were actually sort of images captured by your playing drums. 
with special lighting and then images that were captured in, I guess I'm assuming they're composite images of all the different positions you were in when you were playing certain songs. Actually, what it was, it was long exposure photography and then using uh, light sticks. And um, yeah. I, would, I would play along to specific songs. And um, more often than not, there was some, even though it was abstract, there was a correlation between the song that I was listening to and the image that that created. So it, it, was, it was really cool. But then I met up with uh, Christian from uh, Wentworth Gallery and, um, you know, they, they have about 10 or 12 uh, galleries around the, around the country. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was just a fantastic opportunity for me to get more of my artwork out to people. And then, you know, 10 years ago, my daughter was born, my youngest. And we started painting together, you know, when she was old enough. And uh, it just kind of re-inspired me, you know, to, to get yeah. back into it again. So those are fo- those all purely photos. Yeah that particular thing. And then you, on your website, you talk about the fact that actually photography was very good for you. It was part of what made you heal after your accident. Like you started discovering a different way to express yourself and look at the world. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think something along the lines of, you know, my camera became my friend because, you know, it, it, the, the experiences were very personal. And um, I realized that, you know, when I was on tour or traveling around the world, um, yeah. It was a great way to document ideas that I wanted to flesh out in the future. So it's almost like the camera became some sort of archive, you know, of, 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 of things that inspired me and, and, and things that I wanted to explore when I got home. Yeah. I went to film school at NYU many, many moons ago. So that was one of the, one of the requisite classes was photography. Oh, cool. My oldest daughter, she's at NYU. Oh, really? Yeah, she's, she's just about to uh, graduate. What is she studying there? She, um, she took up English major, but what she does is she, she develops characters through kind of graphic novels. So yeah. I'm sure her ideal job would be to work with somebody like Marvel Films, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know I'm a comic book fan going way back. Yeah, it's cool. I was, I was sort of an early adapter in all the, the geeky, nerdy stuff back in the, in the 80s because I, I was an honor student, loved heavy metal, horror movies, comic books, Godzilla, Monty Python. Oh, that's, that's very commendable. Well done. It didn't probably make me cool with girls at the time, but it was like I liked all these other things that now, of course, are very cool. I mean, a lot of rockers were into this stuff anyway back then, but they've continued. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of people now, like you have Andy from Black Veil Brides who's really into that stuff. Um, Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. A lot of people are doing comic books again. Obviously, you've spent a lot of time in front of the camera. You've been photographed for promo shots and in concerts. So developing those photographic skills, did that make you think about yourself differently when you were in front of the lens? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. I, I think, um, you know, capturing a moment in time. Um, you know, sometimes I'll go back through the archives and, and go back through old photographs things that I didn't think were very, very impressive at the time. Yeah. Just conjure up that moment in time where I, I go back and it conjures up so many other memories of what, what was going on in my life at that particular moment in time. So I, I find, I find photography very useful. I love video. I love cinematography, but there's something really unique about, about still images and, you know, trying to instill some sort of movement, you know, something, something that, that brings up an emotional response in people. 
and 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 that carried through to uh, my artwork. You know, it's interesting. I'm seeing this. Uh, yeah, the photo you have here in Chennai of the uh, you called it the pot and pan armadillo. This kind of bicycle with all these shiny pots. Yeah, I mean, you caught in the in the moment clearly. <laughs> oh yeah, and ten minutes before that, there, there there was a an entire family on a moped with two goats on the frigging moped, like wow, straddled across the the, the gas tank. You know, I, I loved India for that because you just saw life happening in front of your eyes. You know, it was just in, in all its glory. You know, it was like wow. Yeah. You know? Such a deal, and 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 you know, I I have to mention something. You know, India are going through a very hard time at the moment. That could quite easily have been uh, the U.S. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it's very sad what's going on there. And I, you know, I got my vaccine or my vaccination, and um, I I just I just hope that we 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 can somehow get a handle on this because it's not going away, you know, this is yeah. in the population and this could be something that we're dealing with just like, you know, the flu comes around every, every season. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping that COVID doesn't do the same, you know, we have a ways to go. I think the, the pandemic a hundred years ago, it took us about two years to get through that. And we're only one year right now. I mean, I know people are already booking all these concert tours. I've noticed a lot of the older bands are being a little wiser about it and they're pushing it off a bit longer. Um, but some of the younger bands like, yeah, let's go out there. And I'm like, uh, you know, I, there's certain things I can see. I understand. But some of it to me feels like this has been a pretty awful time. I mean, you know, you and I, I write, you paint, you play drums. We can sit inside for long periods of time and get wrapped up in our work. And I've talked about this with a lot of other artists. The average person isn't, isn't necessarily like that. Like, there's a lot of Zoom calls and things like that. But we have to get a handle on it because then if people want all this music to come back and all these things and we want countries like India to get better, we have to hold on a little longer, which I know is hard. I think in this world, it's very fast paced. It is. And I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to pull that trigger too soon. Uh, but ultimately, yeah. you know, the decision is going to be up to the sports promoters. It's going to be up to, you know, everybody that's responsible for large gatherings. And, yeah. and I think that has to be their decision and it has to come from an intelligent place of the pros and cons. Um, I, you know, as a band, we would hate for anybody to ever get hurt or, you know, sick at one of our shows. Yeah. And I think ultimately that, that decision has to be up to the promoters. I mean, we're ready. You know, we'd love to come back out, but it has to be under the right circumstances. Well, it's interesting that the first tour that you're doing coming out is your painting tour. <laughs> in oh, Florida. So the last time I did an in-person was March, and that was um, that was in Washington, D.C. March, March of 2020. Uh, yeah. It was, you know, it was such a weird time. You know, I, I, I got home with two or three days to spare, and then everything locked down. We were done. And the kind of crappy thing is, the, the ripple effect that went through the music industry was devastating and still is. I mean, I'm just hoping the infrastructure is, is there when we come back. Well, I think it's, and I think it's even harder actually even for the smaller bands. Cause there's a lot of people that I know that like, you know, they, they have to keep playing the larger bands take a hit too. Yeah. Hopefully you guys have saved a little money <laughs> over the years, but you have, you guys have road crews also. I mean, there's, there's, it's more than just the musicians too. I mean, I, I cover a lot of Broadway and a lot of stage hands and designers and stuff. Yeah. Their lives got put on hold. 
Well, my wife came up with this great idea um, called Big Love Benefit Concerts. And what we ended up doing was we ended up putting a virtual concert together. That's right. Yeah. It was fantastic. All the people that I called from Billy Idol to Tommy Shaw to Matt Sorum, Miles Kennedy. I mean, you know, just, just all these really incredible people. And there was no question. They just said yes immediately. And all the money went to uh, an organization called Sweet Relief. Uh-huh. And it was, all, it was all to really, you know, just bridge that gap and, and, and allow people some breathing room to just be able to live and, and real basic. I mean, just putting food on the table. Yeah. Um, you know, people's safety nets, some people's safety nets are bigger than others. That's all well and good, but eventually, if this continues, it will get everybody. It's been a very humbling time. I'm hoping, I'm just hoping kind of, what I'm hoping is people kind of get the message that Mother Nature is sending us. <laughs> you know, I don't think this is a, a random I, thing. I think this is a message that we have to start doing some better things here. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, uh, you know, it, it, I don't think we've ever experienced this. Um, my mother, you know, she experienced being in the air raid shelters, you know, during, during the last parts of, uh, of, of the Second World War. Yeah. So, you know, my parents were from that everybody pulled together kind of generation. And, yes. and, and, and I got that from them, you know, from my folks. Sure. So I, ju- I just hope everybody has the wherewithal to, to realize that we're not just doing this for ourselves more importantly, we're doing it for, you know, everybody. And uh, I hope people get that. Yeah. And also, I mean, you have three different uh, gallery appearances coming up here. So it's May 20th, 21st, and 22nd. They're all at Wentworth Galleries. You've been working with them exclusively now for a few years. And I know they deal with other people, musicians like Mickey Hart. Yeah. They have the late Rick Ocasek, Brian Wheat from Tesla. Yep. There's a bunch. And also, of course, that the, uh, some of the proceeds are going to benefit Project Resiliency, which is part of your Raven Drum Foundation. And I know you've worked for years with veterans from different wars uh, and dealing with PTSD, which is something you understand. And I imagine during lockdown and quarantine, that's got to have been, I was thinking that, you know, I don't complain much about quarantine because my life is fine. It's been harder maybe to get work, but I'm healthy and I'm fine. There are a lot of people that are struggling with issues that are a lot harder in isolation. And I imagine you've, you've talked to people about that. Isolation is is a terrible thing because, you know, the thing that we not preach, but the thing that we talk about, you know, when I'm together with wounded warriors is isolation. Yeah. Uh, use technology. Yeah. Um, you, you've got all uh, your fingertips. You know, it's like reach out to somebody that you feel is worse off than you and then reach up to somebody that you feel is further along than you. So you're hitting, you're hitting every angle. Yeah. Um, the thing about the whole COVID thing is people or, you know, veterans would start to isolate again. And that's, it's, it's dangerous, you know? Yeah. And, and I felt that early on in with myself, I felt that early on in the pandemic. And then Lauren came up with this idea of big love benefit concerts yeah. That really helped me because it gave me a focus. And that just kind of carried through to where I was like, you know what? Just 
be of service and, and, and just wherever you can help, you know, do it because it doesn't cost me anything to make people feel happy, you know, or, or inspired. So that, that's been a huge, a huge topic and, you know, mental health awareness yep. and, you know, suicide prevention, you know, those two months are back to back. It should, it should be every day. It shouldn't be just one month and, you know, is dedicated to this or another month is dedicated to this. The whole year should be dedicated to that because I've seen so much suffering during this time. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, I just hope in my little way, you know, I, I, I can help. And, and, and that's one of the things that the, the, the music, particularly the artwork during COVID, has really helped me with. It's kept me focused, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm checking out your paintings here, too. I actually have a friend. My friend Denise bought a couple of your paintings on the Monsters of Rock Cruise back in 2019. Oh, no. Yeah, she, let me see here if I can pull up. I'll pull up this, uh, this text. Because she bought Master's Voice 2 with the RCA Victor dog. And she, oh, cool. And she bought Peaceful Buddha with flowers in pink. Nice. And let's see. I don't this is going to show up very well on the uh, screen because you never know. But anyway, that was... I see it. No, that's my happy place. Um, I actually uh, started to... Uh, I spent a good, a good couple of months uh, each year for four years running. Uh, and I'd go down to India and, you know, when I first got there, it was awful because I, I saw, I saw the yucky side of me, but then by the fourth year, I didn't want to leave, hmm. you know, um, but it taught me something, it, it, you know, it, it, it really taught me something about my humanity and that if I can share, if I can share my, you know, my good feeling about, about life. Uh, with others yeah that it lifts the whole thing up you know i mean i'm assuming that's inspired that uh the the buddha painting we're talking about and i see it's interesting you have a, you have a mixture of different kinds of painting i mean some of it feels a little pop art inspired like the underground and route 66 and mobile gas and then you i noticed sort of some different sort of motifs that reemerge. there's the handprint which i'm assuming is your handprint it, is. it comes on a lot of images and also a heart that oftentimes has like a little bit of a flame on the top Almost makes you think of an apple at the same time, actually. Yes. And I, I did, there, there was one piece that I did that looked, you know, it was more like an apple. But um, it's, it's, all, it's all based on uh, my life experience. You know, every, every single piece yeah. becomes a talking point, especially when I meet people at the galleries, uh, about what, how it makes them feel. And, you know, I love to hear people's stories. And, and, and more often than not, it correlates with my intention when I made the piece in the first place. So it's, it's a nice way to connect with people. You know, at first I thought I could hide behind the, art, the artwork. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it was the exact opposite. It actually brought stuff up and it, 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 it sort of grew into bigger talking points. You said in India, you sort of saw the, we'd said the yucky side of you, I guess was what, how you phrased it. Was it, was it just what sort of things that you didn't, hadn't thought about yourself before? Like, Oh, I didn't know I was like that. Uh, the way I describe it is the totality of the human condition and the, 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 the idea that we have the potential to be diabolical, but we also have the potential to be the best expression of ourselves 
there is. And, yeah. and, and to see all of that, it's just a wake-up call, you know? As I said, there's a lot of different sort of pieces here. You also lately, I mean, you also took, I know you're working at Mixed Media where you sketched outlines of photos with Steve Clark, outlines of photos of Steve Clark. There was Kurt Cobain. Hendricks, uh, Lennon. That's right. But more recently, uh, Johnny Cash, Kurt yes. Cobain, and Eddie Van Halen, of course. Of course, yeah, because of because of his passing. And I mean, I'm always curious, too, and when people do things like that, when they're sort of working off of another image, are there ever copyright issues with that? Or how does that work? Like you're taking someone else's work, but then the way I look at it, what you're doing is almost you're, you're retextualizing it in the Rick Allen fashion, like you're giving it your own spin. Yeah. And, and you know, the technique that I use is, is, is more like a dumbing down of, a, of, a, of a, 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 an image that I love. And really, when you, look at the, when you look at it closely, it's geometric shapes um, that don't particularly make sense when you, when you see them at close proximity. But then when you stand back, your mind fills in the blanks. And that's what I love. It's, 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 a, it's an illusion. Hmm. Interesting. Take, take some, like, look at some of those images. Yeah. And, but zoom in really closely and, and then, and then like keep backing off, backing off, backing off. And then you'll see what I mean. You know what? I have the EVH, the Eddie Van Halen one here, and I'm going to do that right now since we're talking about it. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, it's true. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an illusion because, uh, you look closely at, say, his eyes, and they don't yeah. look like eyes at all, or his cheeks, or his hair, or, you know. But your mind does incredible things when you, you make that suggestion. It, yes. it, it's not realism, but it's, it's what somebody's face looks like when light bounces off it. I mean, obviously, some of these are sort of images that we are familiar with or, some, or certain poses that are familiar with. So do you need to get permission from other photographers to do that? Or is it once that you've sort of created your own version of it? It's okay. Once you create your own version of it, it's, it's an interpretation. Okay. So it doesn't necessarily infringe any sort of copyright. You know, I would hope that uh, if, if the artists were alive, um, that they would really appreciate me paying homage to them because, you know, ultimately it's me it's me paying homage to, to people that inspired me yeah. to become a musician. I think you were sort of discovered painting as a child, but then music took over and you had to get into rock and roll. And then of course, you know, your daughter got you into painting again, many like 10 years ago, I think it's like, it's like uh -huh. so there's certain brushes, certain types of paints, oils that you prefer using. It's, it's mainly acrylic paint. Um, I, I like acrylic because it, it, it dries pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you, if you make a mistake, you know, just a wet rag and, 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 you know, you wipe it off and it's gone. So it's very spontaneous, you know. And I mean, ultimately, when everything dries and you don't like it, you just go over it and paint again. You know? Yeah, yeah. And there are different types of brushes, anything that you prefer? I, I, I prefer uh, the angled brushes, you know, where, the, where there's a wedge. Okay. It allows me to, to get into tight, tight places and 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 create nice tight lines um but other than that you know um it, it's pretty it's pretty basic stuff you know in terms of uh equipment it's um you know just a range of uh different sized uh, wedge brushes and then just you know just just knowing knowing what knowing what paint to use and what how to mix the paint 
Well, I imagine, yeah. How much how much time did it take you to sort of master that or get it or find the style that you like to work in? I still haven't mastered it, hmm. but it, but it's a, a learning curve. You know, every time I, I go to paint, I, I discover something new. Uh, sometimes it's nice to have really thin paint, something that is more like a, a stain or an ink uh, yeah. as opposed to a really thick body paint because it's it's easy to create different illusions you know just like you would manipulate light uh when you take uh, photographs yeah yeah it's the same when you're painting you know you're you're some things you want to be really sharp and then other things you want to be more obscure more abstract and and the combination of the two works really well well i'm looking here i mean even though there's certain things that could sort of qualify as a still life there's a certain amount of you sort of have a certain amount of emotion too with within a lot of them with a lot of the line work that that's the idea i mean if you can instill an emotional response in anybody uh that's what they remember and and i think ultimately that's why you know they make the, the decision to to buy a piece is because it makes them feel a certain way now there's a lot of that are here up here on your website how many are going to be on display here in florida Hopefully all of them. Oh, that's dozens of them. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, there's a difference between an original painting and a mixed media. You know, right. so as soon as I've finished uh, an original, I'll, I'll take high resolution pictures of it, uh, photographs, and, and, and then create sort of enhanced prints right, right. On, on, on canvas, which is cool because I can create lower price points and allow everybody to, to get the chance to, to, to own something, you know? Well, it's funny. Cause I remember you were on one show. It might've been, I think it was Fox. So they were, they were asking you, well, how much does one of these go for? You're like, I have no idea because obviously, okay. obviously you're raising, you're raising money. So you're not, you're not caring. You're not worrying about the profits you're going to make. It's just kind of funny. You're like, well, it, it is what it is. <laughs> no, I mean, you know what? It, it's, um, I mean, it's become something that I really love doing. And, you know, I, I make, I make a, I make a bit of money out of it, but, you know, um, ultimately I love the fact that a good portion of the proceeds go to wounded warrior programs. No, it's cool. I mean, you've, you've been very involved with that for years, actually. And it sounds like it also gives you a reason to motivate you for the art as well. For sure. That there's something else behind there. It's interesting. The art world is always, I mean, as you can, as we both know, is very tricky because there's some people that are really hailed as geniuses and then some people are like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I know. If I'd have come up with the idea of painting a blue line, you know, hey, you know, that would be wonderful. But, uh, but no, I, 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 want, <laughs> I want, I expect more than that out of myself. You know, I, I, I challenge myself. It doesn't, it doesn't always work out. Yeah. But, the more I do it, the better I get, like anything. And there's a lot of things that are, are definitely themes that come up in your work. Obviously, we have the handprint, we have the heart, there's the underground, the Buddha. There's also the telephone boxes. And I think there's, there's, a, there's a reason for the telephone boxes, right? It's a metaphor for uh, refuge and communication. And it was, it w- it was hanging out with my friends uh, when we had nowhere to go on a freezing winter's day and it was that that the whole idea of coming of age and doing things that we shouldn't be doing uh but at least we had a a shelter a refuge uh somewhere to go 
and, and the telephone box um, did that for us. So it's like a place you could hang out or call people, or is it just like this, it was like a certain like I guess in America when I was growing up, a lot of kids hung out outside convenience stores. They'd get like a soda and they'd just be hanging out. Well, you know, you had the the, the call boxes, and they didn't make a big deal of it. In England, they made it into it, it looked like a you know a small home. You know, it was like, <laughs> like this. so so you know for us kids, it was it was a no brainer. It was like, well, that that's a great place to stay warm. And then, of course, Doctor Who with the TARDIS, that, that adds an extra yeah, layer of sure. imagery for all the British kids there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's same, the ex, that exact sentiment. It was, it, was, it was a place where we could go and we would be cold, but we wouldn't freeze. Now, have you thought about all the different symbols? Is there anything specific for the handprints beyond just being part of you? Handprint is the idea that that's, you know, that's, that's, that's it. You know, my right hand is kind of everything I do is, you know, I do it with my right hand. And yeah, I just want people to realize that there's a way that we can all succeed. Even if you go through extreme trauma, you know, that, that there's, there's always a way that, that we, can, we can express ourselves in a different way. Something I've noticed, I think there was a, one of the videos that was on the uh, Raven Drum Foundation site. There's, um, what is it, 21 points of resiliency? There's sort of 21 different ideas. Oh, 21 about ways. 21 ways to resiliency. That, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that was a book that my wife wrote and um, very simple form, but very relevant. I mean, you know, some, sometimes, you know, sometimes the, the greatest things in our lives they don't have to be so complex. Yeah. All it needs is for you to participate and experience. And, and, and that's all it takes. Well, I think support too. I think you've had a lot of support from people around you. And I think that's something that also is very important that I don't think people, and especially as we're talking about COVID and people dealing with PTSD or people who are addicts or isolated, you know, I found myself, interestingly enough, reaching out to more to people I hadn't spoken to in a long time than people that I knew well. There's some people like, I haven't spoken to that person in five years. And I think one of the things I've thought about coming out of this is that I want to make sure that I stay in touch with certain people that are important, even if I haven't seen them in a while. Because I think in this in the fast-paced sort of short attention span world we have, we kind of glossed over those things. Suddenly 10 years goes by. Yeah. And like, oh my God, I haven't spoken to so-and-so in 10 years. Like, what happened? That happened to me recently. Um, a guy called uh, Mark Rowe, who actually began, became a very successful golfer. Mm. You know, he's he's played some of the some of the most famous golf courses, you know, on the on the planet. And yeah. he became a TV presenter. And I just spoke to him recently and remembered that he was actually the first person that introduced me to the first Van Halen album. Ah. He said rotary dial, of course. He calls me up, he says, Look, you've got to come <laughs> check this record out. And it, you know, it was like nineteen seventy-eight. And he said, uh, he said, come on over. I want you, I want to play you something. So he played me the first Van Halen album. I, I was just blown away. It was like incredible. But I reached out to him recently and um, hopefully we're going to stay in touch. You know, it was, it was lovely to hear him. And, and he basically said to me, he said, you know, as I get older, I start to think about people that were significant in, in my life. Yeah. He said, you came up. And, you know, he knew me before I was a rock star or any of that shit. So it, it meant a lot to me that he reached out. 
Those are important connections to have also, because I, I imagine too, when people get, you get to the level of fame you're at, it's trickier meeting new people because you have to know what, we have to know what it is that they want from you. And there are certain people in your life that are then family members who are just going to treat you like another person, which is what you need, you know, to be grounded. Like, you know, I, I found that it's, I can understand. I think I had someone from high school. So they, someone tried to reach out to some, one of our other high school classmates who become a very successful author or whatever. And they hadn't heard from them. I said, look, I said, if you haven't been there for the ride, you know, it's a little harder because they have so many people coming at them, you know, wanting things. And you have to understand that it's like, to me, it's just, if I see somebody, I have an unknown other successful, I just want to, I, I want to reconnect. I just like to talk to people. That's why I do this. I just like to have conversations. That's cool. That's cool. And get to know people. And um, by the way, I'm, I'm very glad, and this is going back 15 years now that you guys covered Rock On by David Essex. I actually only discovered him a couple of years ago because I did a commentary, movie commentary for That'll Be the Day. Oh, no. And then I watched Stardust and I'm like, Rock On. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Then I'm going back to Def Leppard's Rock On, you know, the cover. And I'm like, I'm wondering how many of your fans in America know David Essex? I don't, I, not too many. But, you know, we, we, the idea of doing a cover is you kind of make it your own. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, our version of it, it just, you know, it bridged a lot of, a lot of different musical tastes. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 even if you hadn't heard the song or you didn't know who David Essex was, right. there was something special about the version that we did. I, I liked it actually. And I was like, and I was thinking, Oh, that's cool. Because I, I started listening to his stuff because of the movie. And like, he has started off with this teen idol thing. And then he's doing like the sort of progressive albums and getting very, you know, 10 minute songs. Was he a big influence on you? For sure. I mean, you know, he, he never really had much success outside of England, probably in Europe. He did. Yeah. But, but not necessarily in, in the U S uh, but nevertheless, a uh, huge influence. Now you've actually managed to bridge your art and your, and your music in a way, because now you have these painted drum heads. And I'm curious what painting on that surface is like. It's a little different than a canvas, I imagine, or is it similar? I'm a drummer. So I was curious. It is different. Um, but as you say, it, it kind of bridges that, you know, the whole music and, and art thing. And, and people can immediately re- re- relate to that because they go, well, you know, the guy plays dr- drums. Why not? paint drums you know so yeah it's it's, it's cool the, the the reaction that i get is uh, is nice you know people like that they 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 want to own a piece of that i don't assume you'd probably put them on one of the drums you're touring with i guess you could put it on the outside it's not getting hit by the kick i actually did i i did i um i ended up doing um some raps on the drums themselves yeah so even though it was it was a print on a rap it was it was cool to have my own artwork, you know, on, on, on the drum kit that I was playing. Yeah, oh, I like that. So do you think much about all the symbolism in your work? Have you found certain things that you didn't notice in your own work over time that you knew you were doing that you didn't realize you were doing? Through lines, certain threads? I, th- I think that always comes up. Um, but more often than not, uh, like Girl on a Swing, for instance. Uh, right. That, that's my youngest daughter just kind of seeing myself as a kid and then seeing her being in that place of fantasy, an infinite possibility. Yeah. Like you have the moon here over the ocean. She's swinging right, right by it. It's a surreal piece. Yeah. And I, I think every, every parent, you know, that they, they, they see that in, in their kids and it, it brings us all back to, you know, that, that, that place of just being in that fantasy and infinite possibility. 
And as far as you know, it's one thing I want to ask about photographs. Was there any sort of surprising image that you took, something that you took spontaneously that you just turned out to be this great picture and you weren't thinking about it at the time? That, I mean, that it happens all the time. You know, I'll, um, I'll, I'll take a picture and then it kind of, you know, it gets buried in the archives. And then from time to time, I'll go back through, you know, all those old images and I'll see something that I never, I never expected or I never saw at the time that I did it. But, but, you know, I think, I think things are revealed to us, you know, over the years, you know, and I, I think, you know, we get to see the things that we're supposed to see, you know, even if it's something that was, that was hidden when we first, uh, when we first took it or when we first painted it. So now Raven Drum Foundation, it's, it's 20 years old now, right? It started in 2001. Oh, man, yeah. How do you look back on these, these first 20 years and, and what you've been doing and what do you, what do you want to do in the future? It's evolved like anything, you know, you, you see a need in the, in the community and you, you, you kind of, you know, refocus, but what we're really focused on right now is mental health awareness and uh, suicide prevention. Um, because, you know, during COVID uh, things have gone through the roof. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Domestic violence too, things like that. People dealing with stuff. No, it, it, it's crazy. Isolation is not good. And isolation in conjunction with uh, addiction is, can, be, can be devastating, sometimes deadly. You connect this also to drumming as well. Uh-huh. I imagine you've had a lot of drum circles. And percussion is actually a good way to let out stress, right? Hitting something, I mean. Totally. I mean, using the left and right hemispheres of the brain and just, you know, that kind of entrainment. Um, we're not trying to make master dramas. We're not trying to create master dramas. It's more the experience of doing it. And really what myself and the group of drummers around me, you know, that we work with on a regular basis, we're creating what they call the dominant pulse. Yeah. And, 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 that, and that's the trick is really getting people to fall into line. And, you know, even though they're not playing a complex rhythm, uh, just feeling as though they're part of something that, that's bigger than themselves. Yeah. And so you've talked about, you know, you've met other people at PTSD. How much has bonding with them affected you? And does that translate into your art? I think every experience I go through translates into the art in some way, shape or form. But I, I think the most important thing for me is feeling as though I'm being of service to fellow human beings. And if they feel inspired by me, you can bet that I'm inspired by them because we all have different tools yeah. and, and we share those tools. I don't claim to have it all figured out, but spending time around other people that have experienced extreme trauma uh, gives me more tools and uh, another way to, you know, become a better expression, a better person. Yeah, it's very vibrant. It's not all dark, you know, and because different people interpret things different ways. Are there any painters that have been big influences on you? Salvador Dali, the whole idea of, you know, your mind filling in the blanks, um, seeing something up, up close and then seeing it far away and how it can transform into something else. Uh, I love Peter Max. Peter Max's uh, use of color is so vibrant. Yeah. It's fantastic. Isn't that funny how you're both wrapped by the same gallery now? <laughs> I know. I know. 
Is there anyone else? Yeah, I mean, I I lived in I lived in Holland for a while, so a trip to the Van Gogh Museum was was always a treat. Just again, you know, the the idea that you look, you see something up close and you go like, how did they conceive the notion of seeing something up close and what your brain, what your mind does to it when you step away from it? Yeah, and how your mind fills in the blanks. Ella Magritte. I went to the Magritte house in Brussels many years ago. I think it's like 14 years ago now. And it's interesting to see where he lived. He actually lived on the first floor, but they turned turned all three stories into the museum. So it makes it look more impressive. But you know, I love the surrealist. I mean, that's what Maurice, I like I love Rafael Obinsky, who's a more modern painter, who's like a modern Magritte, Mark Kostabi, stuff like that. But I always get drawn, I don't know why I get drawn to the surrealist stuff quite a bit. I mean, Dolly had museums. I mean, there's a Dolly Museum in Florida. Yeah. There was a Dolly sculpture and painting museum near the London Eye, but I don't think that's there anymore. Yeah, I remember that. There's a sketch gallery of Dolly's in Prague. I went in there, it was mostly sketches of his stuff. I guess, I don't know how they acquired that, but it sort of seems like you can go around the world and you'll find a Dolly museum somewhere. He was highly collectible. And he was very prolific. I mean, he, he, he created a lot of art. Have you been to the museum, his actual official museum in, in Figueres in Spain? No. That's, you got to go to that. That's, wow. That's like the craziest. I think he's actually buried there. Uh, it's, uh, oh. it's, it's, it's south of Barcelona and it's, it's unbelievable. So um, finally, is there anything else you want to do with painting and photography? Do you want to mix them together in some new form? Is there, are there other projects that you're thinking of? I, I do. I blend them together already. Yeah. And, you know, the idea of, of, of taking, you know, uh, different mediums and, you know, and, and being able to meld them together, I, I, I think really appeals to me. Because, you know, photography was really, well, painting, but photography was the thing that really, that really took me. It really struck me as, you know, the idea of manipulating light was just so mystical. Yeah. You know? No, it's cool. Are you going to be appearing at the three? Yes. Three, and guess you'll be there. Oh, you'll be there all three. But you're in California though, right? Yeah. So is it going to be your first trip cross country or have you flown at all? Since March. Wow. Well, thanks, man. It's been great to chat with you. And you too. This will be my two-year anniversary show. Fantastic. I'm, 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 I'm very glad I can do that for you. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed it. It was fun. I had a good time. Me too. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you, sir. And hopefully I'll chat with you again at some point. I look forward to it. That wraps up the latest Side Jams. Please join me for the next episode, which will feature Iron Maiden and Smith Cotson guitarist Adrian Smith. As always, my theme music comes from Fox and the Law, licensed through AudioSocket. Thank you very much for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.